On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have the most respected and well-liked and widely read Patriots reporter, perhaps of all time, Jerry Thornton from Barstool Sports. We sit down with him. We got five-minute fantasy as well. It's a hell of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Receivers two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Appreciate it. We uh, love having you on the show. We've had you on before, but uh, but now we get to see you as well, live and in person. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming through. Oh, oh Pat, I, re- I really appreciate it. And I thought you were giving an intro for like Mike Reese or Will McDonough or that's uh, you know, Tommy Curran. But okay, I'll take it. You know okay. what I mean? I will not. I you know to 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 hell with my uh, my humility. Let's let's embrace that. Yes, that's right. I'm the exactly. biggest deal. In the history of the world, no, it's, but no, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Is there anything going on that we can maybe touch upon? Any topics hey, you, of interest? You said it right. We could be uh, covering the University of Idaho for football or something like that. I mean, like I said, it's been a crazy, crazy off season, and I can't believe. I mean, football starts in an hour. It's kind of uh, flown by, thankfully. So I'm excited for Sunday. I'm excited for the new era, um, and I think we're in good hands. Oh, yeah. And I kind of feel like last year is ultimately going to be like, do you remember that arc of the Sopranos where Tony was like in a coma and dreaming that he was like a salesman or something like that? And then they kind of popped out of it. And you go, well, that was a weird little little thing. I think that's ultimately what 2020 is going to be. I mean, we haven't there hasn't been a, a soul in Gillette Stadium for a regular or postseason game since january of 2020 i mean i you know i'm putting a pin in the probably 75 percent capacity that we're at the only um uh home preseason game this year um and i think they're going to shake that place to the foundations on on sunday and 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 well they should because this has been the culmination of Far and away, and I don't know what is number two on the list, but far and away, the craziest offseason they've ever had. And I mean crazy in a good way. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I missed – I didn't go to a game last year. It was the first time since 1992 that I didn't go to a, didn't go to a game. Um, my dad's had tickets on and off since the 60s. So it's just like, you know, we just – we didn't go. And he's like – he looked at me like halfway through the season. He's like, you know what? it's not a bad year to miss. It's really not, not a bad year to miss, you know? So uh, we kind of pretend like 2020 didn't happen and we're on to 2021. And my goodness, you're right. The off season, just completely insane. The amount of moves that they made. I mean, we were sitting here day one. We did an instant reaction podcast day one. And while we're on, you know, we, we hang up and then an hour later they'd sign someone else. And then in the morning they signed another guy. And we're like, what the hell did we can't even, you can't even do shows to, to keep up with all the signings. It was, it was crazy. Oh, it was, it was bonkers. And like, I think we've all by now conditioned ourselves to just kind of accept that. Okay. He's going to Belichick meeting. He's going to let the doorbuster sale begin. And he's going to like wake up and, you know, have a nice, cup of coffee and some breakfast and then he's going to go to the store and get shop off the remainder bit and in this time like 48 hours before free agency actually began it was supermarket sweep you know he's just pushing the shopping cart in there and throwing as much in as he possibly could i mean you remember when they signed um john U. smith and you're going wow okay the number two best tight end out there great great deal uh, i i guess hunter henry was out of reach and then the next day they get Hunter Henry. Like, is there any end to this? And it's so out of character, but I, I take it as, you know, a, a pure blessing. Like it was, there was an anomaly in the market. They had a ton of money to spend when everyone else had a jettison cargo 
and he took advantage of it. And it's yeah. And that was just the beginning. And since then, it's just gotten next level crazy. Yeah, you didn't need two tight ends, but I mean, if they're there, right, why not grab? You don't need Matt Judon to rush. The, you got a ton of pass rushers, but if he's there and he's willing to come, why not? I thought that was, I mean, the supermarket, su- uh, supermarket sweeps thing that you said is perfect because it was really like, I'm just going to grab everything and then we'll figure it out from there. And I feel like that they, that they always have a method to their madness, but they're starting to figure it out from there, like, with all of the pieces that we have, we we have a chance to build something really special and, and a really, really talented, good football team. Yeah. And also there's no harm in spending it. You know, I mean you can't you can't do any other thing with the with the cap space that you have. Can't and take if it you've with got you. yeah, if you've got the second or I think by the time I think by the it was they they were fourth, and then by the time it actually hit, some teams had made some moves, so they were like third and just got super aggressive when uh, easily half the league was over the cap and had to get under it. So down market because of the COVID. And I think they just, you know, like a really smart wall street investor understood the big picture of the market and went in there and just rolled over the, the little nickel and dime people. Like he, he just went full on Jordan Belfort only without the messy prison sentence and the, You know, and, the thing and, the thing that I found crazy too is how it's it's kind of all come like the last year, like you said, year and a half has been absolutely crazy, right? And if you think about it, it has been for their quarterback too. Uh, I wrote an article today, like it's kind of crazy that the guy he's squaring off with week one, he was in the same recruiting class as backed him up for three years, and I said it today, and it's I mean you guys can debate on all you want if Tua doesn't get hurt down the stretch of that you know, at the end of 2019 and Mac Jones doesn't get an opportunity to play and, and kind of showcase himself those final four games. I don't know if he's in the position he is in today, right? I mean, he had a five-star freshman coming in who looked really good on Saturday for Alabama, right? They didn't obviously have spring ball that year. So who really knows how much he would have been able to separate himself and, and Saban kind of made that mistake. And I know I'm getting off the rails here, but like you said, just the last year for both their new quarterback, which we can talk about and the team, it's been it's been wild and it finally comes full circle. Now those two are squaring off for his first NFL start. Like it's just it's kind of like storybook ending kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like butterfly effect. And I hadn't even connected that. I mean, I've just sort of taken it for granted. Like, okay, yeah, Tua got hurt and he got in and got a chance to get his feet wet before he would have taken over. But you're absolutely right. There's no guarantee he ever would have taken over because you know, and and then again, he would have probably run up against the thing that he's run up against ever since last year and the Pats drafted him, like the dad bod versus the supremely athletic guy who is also on the same the, the same roster. And I'm I'm not a big physique guy when it comes to my quarterbacks, but that definitely would have would have weighed against him. Smart as um Saban is and, and perceptive as he is, it's very likely he might have just said, "Well, you know, I, wh- what do we know about this guy? He's a nice backup right. and he's pretty smart, but let's let's go with the with the freshman who is like freakishly athletic." Yeah, and that's and you end up with you know uh, Matt Castle, right, where he he's just a career backup and gets drafted somewhere and turns out to be a decent quarterback in the NFL, but like. You know, we got guys that are better than him at USC, and so ah, we'll just stick with this guy. And if Mac never plays, who knows? You know, and it's not even like it's not even like to dunk on Mac, right? Like obviously, everything he's done, he's deserved, right? He's he's absolutely earned everything he's gotten. But like I said, kind of looking back and like you know, I I think this Mac versus Tua thing is like so. It's not talked about enough how he started his career and kind of got into the position that he's in on Sunday because of a, a, a gruesome injury that kind of jump-started his career. I mean, he, he backed up Jalen and, and Tua for three years, and now they're all three of them are starters. And I don't think – if you asked anybody two years ago, is Mac Jones starting on week one? And I think of the three, probably the higher ceiling, you would have said they're crazy, right? So uh, I'm excited for him, obviously, the, the team as well. I think um, it's a perfect situation for him to succeed. He's well-coached, um, and like we said, the, the offseason – kind of spending spree they went on will make that transition so much easier for them. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. It is interesting. And so, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, because Cody brought it up, 
the you know we talked about Johnu and then Hunter Henry coming in as well. Teddy Karras getting signed back, and then us thinking that Andrews is gone, and then to only a few days later have Andrews come back. I mean that like that was like the icing on top of the cake, right? Where it was like, oh my god, like we're getting Andrews back too. So uh, it's that was awesome. And and, and the thing was. Right. You know what? I, I you can add James White to that as well. Did, yep. Is there a man yep. among us, man, woman, or child that didn't just assume he's going to go to Miami? I mean, I after Tampa. Just, yeah, yeah. You know the the state where he comes from. Given that he had a, just a devastating family tragedy, and the fact that he came back for my guess is maybe going to be one more year to just kind of let JJ Taylor develop behind him. Which, by the way, White did. As as a as a young player, Shane Vereen did as a young player behind Kevin Falk. It's sort of the way the Patriots handle that position for whatever reason, and so that's a blessing. And you know, and add to that, arguably two of the best free agent signings they made were just re-signings, and that was bringing back Kyle Van Noy and Trent Brown. I mean, today when I power rank the free agents they signed, I included those guys in a tie because it's crazy how similar their stories are. They both maybe underachieved is too strong a word, but didn't really find their career path until they came to new England, had great seasons cashed in. And then a short time later, their people who paid them the big bucks just kind of, well, you know, what? Yeah, it's not, not what we were hoping for, for whatever reason. I, I still can't fathom Brian Flores spending that money on Kyle Van Noy and sending them packing in, in one year. But so those guys have a huge amount of proof and, fit perfectly into what the Patriots try to do and, and like have solidified the front lines of both units the, the day that they put their, their names to the contract. Yeah. And you, we talked about the best signings, but you know, you don't really know about new guys like the tight ends or, or uh, uh, Matthew Judon, but with guys that you know are proven in the system and you can go and get them on the cheap for, Maybe if they did re-sign them when they were free agents, they would have spent probably double to try to get them back. You let them go play somewhere else for a year or two, and then you get them back on you know pennies on the dollar. It's it's a tried and true Belichick method. I, he's been doing it for twenty years, so it's something you almost come to expect every off season. Yeah, and not to mention he took the compensatory pick for each of them. Makes hay with that. Like I, I think. I don't know. I, I think part of it maybe is just like a scam. Like, I'll tell you what, why don't, why don't you go make a ton of money? We'll get a pick, you know, just kind of annoy people a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what they would have done. Take, uh, take stuff out of the office, bring it home with them. Like, I don't know, bring home rolls of toilet paper and printer paper and toner cartridges. I don't, I don't know, but it it's happened so many times. And then he sits there and gets the same player back and just laughs at the world. So since uh, obviously it is a kind of our season preview, I figured we get into, you know, some sort of projections, right? See, how, like, I'm kind of optimistic. I think the I'm kind of in the middle where they'll compete for the division because it's so competitive. Miami will too, maybe through, you know, the first 10, 11 weeks. And I ultimately think Buffalo pulls away. I still think they're a little bit of ways away from them. I think that's a talented football team. But I think we could all agree, right, I, you know, be shocked if they if they made a little bit of a run here and, and ultimately made it to, to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. But I do think there that this is a this is a wild card team that could potentially make some noise, right? Uh, the Patriots pride themselves on getting better and better as the year goes on. You hope and, and you expect your quarterback to do that as a rookie, right? You're gonna see those those rookie struggles get some tough matchups, right? Uh, Tampa, Miami will be tough on Sunday, but you know, if they can kind of float around and be in contention right around week 11, 12, and start to really, you know, put their foot on the on the gas and and, and uh, you know start to play better. I, I think they could, you know, get into the playoffs, maybe win a game. Right? I, I think that's a that's a realistic opportunity for the Patriots this year. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I sorry uh, the NFL's uh, morning show, NFL uh, Network's morning show, where they asked three football. of them. Yeah, yeah, good morning. That's it. Asked th- good morning footballs. Asked three of them. To, to rank the division winners and the wild card teams in the AFC. And all three of them had Buffalo win in the division, but all three of them had the Patriots in the wild card. And, you know, I, I think they're a contender. I don't think that Buffalo is owed anything. You know, I, I, I think they're still going to have to earn it. And that's a team that the Patriots almost beat at home. If it wasn't for a total brain shot by Cam Newton in the red zone, 
the Pats had every opportunity to, to win that. And it's a whole different, different season. Yeah. They're still the favorites and they should be, but you know, I, 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 I guess the question is where, where you guys think they are in terms of, you know, how far that they can compete to and what the personality of this team is going to be like, what's going to be their, their, their style that they're going to bring to this. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot in the the shows that we've done, and I always go back to defense just because I think the talent level is very clearly higher than it is on the offensive side of the ball. And compared to last year when they were rolling out Nick Thurman and and the the kid in the middle who wears fifty nine, you know, like they, they were rolling Hall. out yeah. Therese Hall, right? Tayshawn yeah. Bauer, and now you've got all pro players, you know, Pro Bowl level level players, guys who are getting paid a hundred million dollars, and the what we've seen in probably the past decade on defense, even in the great defensive teams, have been kind of bend, don't break, let up the field goal, don't let up the touchdown, kind of minimize the amount of points while you're letting up yards. I think this year that this is a defense that's going to attack whoever, whatever offense they're playing, whether it's a Kansas City type team or the Jets, they're going to come at quarterbacks. They're going to play press man at the line of scrimmage because they've got the guys, they've got the guns to do it, right? So Every time somebody asks me about what I think the team's going to look like this year, I just I can't imagine them looking anything like they have in the past on defense and just being an aggressive defense where they're going to attack the offense on the other side of the ball. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely agree. Like, And I love – the other part of it for me is that, you know, you see a guy like Judon, and Judon – we all knew would be great, or we hoped at least would be great against the pass. What surprised me is how good he is against the run and not just mm-hmm. the pass. And that's something for me that, you know, that I'm surprised about. I think that their run defense was awful last year. And so, you know, having their run defense be better uh, is going to is gonna significantly help them. And like Keegan said, they're not sitting back this year. They're coming after you. And and I'm excited about that. And, and it is interesting. Spags talked about, you know, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And I think they are too. And interestingly enough, they bookend the season with the dolphins. So they obviously play the dolphins this week and then they play the dolphins week 18 in Miami. And that could very well decide the seventh playoff spot in the AFC. Uh, And that, that could be one hell of a game, you know, flex to, you know, they, the old, the, the old Cowboys Philadelphia thing where they flex it to Sunday night. So it's the last game of the season or whatever that could certainly happen. Uh, this year, Miami, New England, that'd be a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I hate playing down in Miami, but that would still be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, a couple of points about Judon and what you said about the run. So, yeah, a guy that fits the mold of what it is that they look to do. And, and the whole world falls in love with uh, an edge pass rush specialist. And if that's all you do, the 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 world will just still beat a path to your door and give you crazy amounts of money. And the TJ Watt today, TJ Watt. Right. And I, you know, and I will give him credit for being able to disrupt in other ways, but you know, he's clearly making the money for being a pass rusher. The Patriots don't want that specialist guy Would they take TJ Watt. Sure. But they're going to tell him, we need you to set the edge against the run. We need you to stay home on the inside dive fake that comes around to your edge, which is something that Chandler Jones I thought was awful at. He was constantly yeah. taking the cheese on a dive. He's really play. the only and guy they've had. That's a sack. Like just, I'm going to rack up sacks and that's it. Like yep. that. I have at least recently, yeah, which is why he did not last. And they said, we'd rather just take a flyer on a former number four pick offensive lineman and a pick and see what we can do. Um, and Judon checks all those boxes. First of all, he's big. I looked it up today. I didn't realize he's 261 pounds. And Devin McCourty says he was running after practice with the skill guys and keeping up with them, but he'll drop in a coverage. He'll, he'll be stout against the run. And he had 21 quarterback hits last year. Like there's a reason this guy was franchised by Baltimore and it's because he, he deserves it and that he came here and I love his attitude. Like just, he's that guy. I mean, such an overused cliche, but brings that energy you know, like just seems like he's having a good time doing drudgery all the time. And then against the run last year, they gave up a uh, hundred yards or more rushing in the game. 11 times they were four and seven. Now, three times they were over 150 yards and including, I remember that Miami game in December, they gave up 250 yeah. yards on the ground. 
surprise, they were 0-5 in those games. Yeah. And that's why I think some of the lesser picks, like Davon Godshaw, you know, one of those guys who played really well against the Pats and doesn't get a lot of recognition because he's a big body interior run stuffer. But I think it's already showed up in the preseason games. Like teams are trying to run up the middle and there's just guys jamming those gaps and they're, they're having to bounce it outside where now they've got Judon and Kyle Van Noy and whatever. And I, I think it's going to be real hard to just steamroll this team like people did last year. Yeah, and you brought in a guy like Montrevious Adams, who didn't end up making the team, but he pushed other guys who are already here, like a Carl Davis, who had the, the greatest training camp of his life and yeah. looked like he looked like their best run defender at times. I mean, Spags was down there almost every day. The guy looked like a stud while he was out there practicing. So I think the the idea behind signing all these guys, even though all of them didn't end up making the roster, like a Henry Anderson, who we didn't think was going to make the roster, but did, they were pushing the other guys who were here and they they made them better. So the, the whole idea of racking up a bunch of new guys who are going to push other people, it was really well done by the Patriots this offseason. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, Jerry, what do you think now? What do you think? So I'm I'm assuming you read it. Maybe you didn't. But Tommy Curran wrote an article and, and did a podcast about how it's okay to compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady. And, of course, not like 2017 or 2018 Tom Brady, but like 2001 Tom Brady, right, where he mm-hmm. throws for 18 TDs and 14 interceptions. And, you know, they win the Super Bowl. Oh, we got to talk about David Patton. We'll do that in a minute. But, you know, they win the Super Bowl and they score – you know, three offensive touchdowns in three playoff games and win the Super Bowl anyways, right? And he does enough to get you there. And then once you're there, performs in big moments, right? And so, you know, I think I I think it's a pretty fair comparison at the time. Now, obviously, are we expecting Mac Jones to turn into, you know, the GOAT 22 years later still playing football? No, no, we don't. That'd be great if he if he does, but like we're not expecting that. But I think 2001 Brady compared to 2021 Mac Jones is is a decent comp that we could be looking for, I think. Yeah, it's funny you mention it because a couple of days ago, I talked to Tommy Curran on the first episode of my own podcast, Do Your Pod, available on Barstool Sports and Spotify and uh, basically everywhere. If you have a gold tooth, it might pick it up as, as well. Um which was an old like sitcom thing. I don't know why. When I was a kid, every old sitcom, somebody could hear the radio through their teeth. I've, I've been waiting my whole life for it to happen, but I digress. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he made that comparison and I thought it was fair because, you know, I think through the prism of time, we tend to think, oh, wow, Brady just, he arrived and he lit it up. Well, you know, go through his first eight games where they went five and three, but his first eight games after taking over for Bledsoe and there's some games in there where he was almost a non-factor. Some other ones where he wasn't that great. To, to me, when he first became Brady was the first game where um, Bledsoe was healthy and was not ashamed to say it to the world, that's my job, and I expected it back, and I'm, and I'm hurt about this. And I said, all right, now let's see how this kid does because he's got the highest-paid player in NFL history staring at yep. daggers at him from the sidelines, and they played the Saints – and he threw for 258 yards with four touchdowns and no picks. And I said, that's it. I'm, I'm, I um, moved on from Bledsoe. And Tommy Curran told me that he thinks that um, he thought when Bledsoe first went out, that he, he turned to Ron Borges and said, Bledsoe will never start another game for this team. Brady's the guy. And there was no, re- no he thinks that they were going to start him sooner rather than later which is kind of a long windup to say, yeah, he was a game manager for the most part. And I think Jones has the luxury of being that guy to an extent. I don't think they're going to completely make the offense look like it did last year, but it's still going to be run first. I think it's still going to be based on don't do harm. There's no shame in throwing an incompletion on third down and let the punt team come out. The defense will, will figure it out, but they're not going to ask him to play hero ball. You know, I, I, if, if shots are open deep downfield, great, but I think they're perfectly okay to not rely on him to do anything other than make good decisions. If, if that makes sense. Sure does. Yep. No, it sure does. So, well, let's, let's veer off just a little bit because I did uh, as kind of Oh one came back in my head. And of course we lost David Patton and Sam Cunningham, which 
I never knew that Randall was his brother, which is crazy. But um, but obviously, two you know Patriots legend. Obviously, Sam is is in the is in the Patriots Hall of Fame, and Patton caught those two off two of those three offensive touchdowns um, in in the playoffs. David Patton, for me, most memorable play wasn't even those Super Bowls. It was take you back to to the Bills game, second or third to last week of the season. Um, And they needed to win in order to keep that two seed. And they're in overtime and he catches a ball deep down the sideline and gets knocked out cold. And half of his fumbles and half of his body is inbounds and half of his body is out of bounds. And the ball's touching his leg. And because the ball was touching his leg and half of his half of his body was out of bounds, the ball was considered out of bounds because he was touching it and therefore technically out of bounds. And the Bills were furious and and um, they reviewed it and everything and it stayed where it was. And I think the next play, Antoine Smith ran down to the two and the Patriots won the game. And it just, that game right there, they lose that game. And then who knows what happens? They don't get the two seed. They end up as a three seed. They have to go to, you know, who knows, right? They have to go to Oakland. Like, who knows? Well, they're going to Oakland, right. Yep. right. Exactly. And you know, so okay. that they, they play a game in a blizzard. Right. For so many little things had to fall exactly into place. But that, and when I've, I've done book signings and give little speeches and stuff, I, I always mention that because I think people forget how that whole season was on a razor's edge the entire time. And yep. that is the freakish play of, the, of all freakish plays. Yeah, and and the Patriots had to review it. They they had to throw the challenge flag because it was called Buffalo Ball. Oh, that's right. You're right. So it was the other way. I knew it was reviewed. I couldn't remember whether it was the they called it down on the field or whether the Patriots challenged it or the Bills challenged. I couldn't remember. So, but yeah, it was challenged. But I believe that's the same game where Nate Clements almost killed Tom Brady on that crazy hit that knocked Brady's helmet about 15 yards back. I don't know if you guys remember that clip because it goes around like every year. But I mean, we almost didn't have Tom Brady. (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> Nate Clements was out for blood, you know, it, the, the bills are hitting that day. Yes, they sure were. So, but obviously, you know, obviously a big loss, you know, for, yeah, and for ultimately Patton is one of those guys. And there are many of them that personify how those early teams were built because, you know, Belichick inherits a team that's not only in salary cap jail, they're in solitary, like that hole that the warden threw Andy Dufresne in, you know, when he was threatening to out him or whatever. And so to the point where they were, they, there was so much money going to guaranteed money, going up guys who were no longer on the roster that they couldn't save money even by cutting guys. And so that 2001 roster, they jigger it to the point where Belichick said, we made it under the cap by about 400 bucks. And including in that was, you know, uh, David Patton and guys like Joe Andrews and Mike Compton and Anthony Pleasant and all these guys that they got for below market. And so many of them made gigantic plays, you know, especially Patton. And we can include that game where he ran a touchdown threw for a touchdown, caught like an 80 yard touchdown and then caught another one just for laughs. And he was the first guy to do, to catch one, throw one and run one in since Walter Payton, 22 years earlier. And people who knew him just went, you know, couldn't say enough about what a special guy he was. And what crushed me was seeing pictures on Twitter about um, a couple of weeks earlier, you know, him at a, at a signing event and he was signing Patriots helmets and stuff. So it was good that he knew to the end that he was, you know, not forgotten, even though so much time has passed. Yeah, yeah. the the Patriots have a podcast where they go back and talk to former Patriots, you know, from the past. And he was the last guest still. They haven't released one since him. I think it was two months ago. And I listened to it and it was a lot about what he's doing in his community in South Carolina. He he went back and he started a church for his community where they could kind of all be a community together and, and have their whatever their religious beliefs are, but they could all have a place to come together because they didn't have that. So he was, you know, to the very end, uh, I mean, from all, by all accounts, I'd, I've never met him, of course, but just a great person who was really there to help other people, which I can't, that can't be overstated enough. Just really, really sad what, what ended up happening. And you, you mentioned Sam Cunningham and again, not to play the, you know, back in my day card, but you know, I was, I was there. I saw him. He was on the first Patriots teams that I, fell in love with and that that 78 team held the all-time single season Russian record until 
uh, the Ravens beat it like two years ago. I mean, yeah. how many records stand? I'm, I'm bad at math, um, and I don't mean to like have to solve for X, but that was, I don't know, 32 years, 40, 42 years or whatever, and Cunningham was their lead back. And the point is he still, to this day, holds the Pats' rushing career rushing record for yards and for, for touchdowns. Jerry, I'm a math teacher at 42. Nice job. Well done. Was it 42? Okay. It was. Nice you know, job. Uh, yeah, I had to hate to say this, but I actually have to like try to think about how old I was back when that <laughs> happened. And and then I, I just I, I I get weepy because I realize I'm how I'm standing in death's on deck circle, fellas. That's it. I'm in my own grave right now. And this is how I want to go out talking about the Patriots, damn it, the way I came in. That's right. 42 for Mac Heron, the second leading rusher on that team. Never forget the original JJ Taylor tiny. Mac. Yeah. Legend. Oh yeah. my goodness. Who was supposed to be huge and you really look at his career numbers and they're just kind of nah. Yeah. <laughs> like and Chuck Fairbanks had like no love for this guy, but he was a folk hero only because he was tiny. The Patriots love hobbits. Really we 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 really do. Like, you know, whether it's uh Danny Woodhead. No, it's I want Dan Deion Lewis. Oh, Dion yeah. Lewis. So I want I want JJ Taylor to make this team so much. I remember thinking that like Gunnar Olszewski was small. And then I saw him standing next to Taylor in practice. It was like, you could like eat an apple off the top of this guy's head without leaning over. Like, come on, come on. Olszewski's not, he's a big dude compared to, to this yeah. kid. And, and I'm glad to see he made the roster. There was a little time there. I was worried about Taylor, but he, he's run his ass off. Yeah, it made, made Sony Michelle expendable, which who would have thought, you know, a couple months ago that that would happen. Yep. And, and, the guy who's his polar opposite helped that too, is which is Stevenson. Is he the biggest surprise in, in camp, guys? Is yeah, I mean, you know what's funny? When when he got drafted, I think me and Pat were the ones that did the live reaction. Yeah. And I talked about it where J.J. Taylor is an in-between-the-tackles runner. He's a guy who's probably going to run through you, but he's got a little bit of bounce to him. And Ramondre Stevenson, he's got great feet. He, you know, he loves to bounce everything to the outside like we saw in the preseason. Like, the way they look and the way they play are opposites and the two humans are opposite of each other. And it's hilarious just to look at them. Like the 250 pounder is this has sweet feet and the 190 pound five foot five guy will run your ass over. It's, it's very funny. Football is a great sport. I love it. I'd be one. I'd be interested to see how much he plays too this year. Right. I think yeah. uh, he can kind of take over that Michelle role. If he would have been here, right. Give, give Harris a little bit of a breather, maybe, you know, five to ten touches a game at the beginning right and then maybe you can kind of ramp them up as the season goes on but i think a lot of uh a lot of the Patriots' success kind of low-key may run through damian harris and how well he can you know run the ball uh, especially early on yeah and we saw it last year when harris w was playing and and michelle w when they were on the field together or when they were healthy together Michelle was doing a lot of special team stuff the, like that, that chargers game. He played every special team snap other than the field goal units. So if Stevenson can come in and do that, he's actually going to get onto the field. If he's not playing special teams, he's not going to be active. I think that's just right. the yeah, way it goes. Yeah. Right. But Especially I, with a rookie in preseason. He was, he was back for kicks a couple of times. Right. I mean, it, yep. it rarely comes up anymore. I mean, you know, you, so you don't notice it. Like no one makes a big deal out of he's back for the kick because they're too busy, you know, Jibba jabbering, Mr. T don't got time for your jibba jabber. And um, they like, you know, I'm like, okay, so they got Stevenson in a role where they had like Garrett Blunt. And let's face it, there aren't a lot of 245 pound kick returners in, in this league. And so I'm fascinated by that. That I was surprised, mildly surprised by the Michelle trade just because um it wasn't a shock because they didn't renew his contract. So you thought, okay, maybe they're gonna play him one more season. But I thought he had really stepped into that nice little Rex Burkhead role where he can run some and he can catch some. So you don't really show what he's going to do. And you know, the, you can check to him, which he wasn't doing as a, as a rookie. He was a right. pure runner behind a fullback, but they were able to like get him so he could split him out wide and, and whatever. And I, I ultimately think it's, it's the combination of Taylor and Stevenson that made them say, you know what? Okay. The guy's expendable. We can get something for him now. Yeah, I agree. And the other part too is that you never know. He looked healthy the last, you know, the last few games last year and then this season, but 
you just don't know with his knees, you know, one injury, one, you know, how, how's he going to hold up playing three, four games in a row? You just didn't know. So it's, a, you know, move on while you can get something now. He's not going to be back next year anyways. So um, you kind of get something for him when you can, you know, so I don't, uh, I don't mind it. So Jerry, we've talked about, we've talked now about, uh, you know, about some predictions and stuff. Where do you see this team ending up? Do you think they're a playoff team? Do you think they're going to win? double digit games like where where are you predicting them to land okay i i think they're a playoff team i think they're a, a conference contender if that's fair to say i mean mm-hmm. I, you know it's ridiculous to sit here in september and go oh yeah i got them in the in the super bowl you know what i mean but i think they're they're going to be in that in that conversation i think it's going to be on the basis of a defense that last year for all their faults like we said gave up seventh fewest points in the league and I think this year they're going to bring crazy amounts of pressure and force turnovers, and then they can run the ball. And I, I trust Jones. I'm totally on team McCorkle. So yeah, I think all that adds up to that. I mean, if if I had to put a number on it, I, I feel like you know, twelve and six is the new twelve and five. I, I you know, twelve and five is the new eleven and. Five, yeah, that that's how I'm gonna say. It. Twelve and twelve and five is the new eleven and five, and I I think they're in the the conversation for for that. This is gonna kill me, by the way. The seventeen game schedule is anyone else struggling with this? Drives me nuts. Drives me. The records completely. will sound weird for for at least a few years, to be honest. Yep. It's gonna take a while. I mean, you were around Jerry when they went fourteen to sixteen, which I can only imagine how adding two games instead of one that oh, it was, it was insane. And you know what? Try to picture six preseason games. Oh god, that's a, it. Was just interminable. And I used <laughs> to even, even as three. a even as a like kid, a I used to watch oh. that crap. Right. <laughs> like yep. the normal kids would be out playing in the neighborhood. I'm like, eh, Patriots are on. I'm gonna watch this preseason <laughs> game. You know what I mean? I I, I don't remember a minute of it, except for the Daryl Stingley injury. Like the one thing you oh. really don't want to remember um, that I can't ever shake the the memory. So yeah, I I think. I think 12 wins is is in play. And if Jones is what we think he might be, and I'm I'm all prepared for um for a learning curve. I mean, I, I looked it up the other day. Pete Manning led the league in interceptions one time in his career, and it was as a rookie, and it was like a crazy number, it was like 28. It was insane, yeah. 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 And but you still knew that he was gonna be Pete Manning. I, I think they're gonna emphasize with him just you know, get the ball out quick, get us in third and shorts and we'll figure it out rather than, you know, you, you have to be the guy. So, well, and that's, um, I, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with Mac for me is that outside of maybe Ben Roethlisberger and maybe Russell Wilson, Dak. Mac Jones is and maybe Dak. Mac yeah. Jones might be in the best situation for a rookie quarterback ever. I mean, you got a great offensive line, a very good running game and a fantastic defense something the Cowboys didn't really have, right? The Cowboys had a good offense, but not really the defense to go along with it. Whereas the other two guys had the dominant defense on the other side. I just think that, you know, he's in a position where it's like, dude, just don't screw it up. Like we're going to win with our defense in a running game. Like you just, just go out there and take what they give you and then kind of go from there. You know, I think that's, that's going to be the way they win. It's almost a one for one match for, from Wilson in, in 2012, like defense, both great defenses, great running games, great offense. Like, exactly the same almost yeah and a guy that they in russell wilson they didn't expect was going to be their 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 game one starter um but he just played his way into the position i mean is there ever been an example before of a guy in a role as the quarterback one so taking all the first team reps in otas taking all the first team reps through training camp and in all three preseason games and then not making the roster (laughs) like never mind getting sent to the bench but not making the roster it's insane and i think it's less a commentary on cam newton as it is a commentary on how they feel jones progressed and how he doesn't repeat errors and when he makes a mistake they work on it and now he he's got it Uh, absolutely i i think it was like you said it was an indictment on jones and not cam newton you know like it, it said more about jones than it did for cam newton right Exactly. exactly. So you guys aren't buying into the theory, and it's my favorite theory that's out there because it's so utterly ridiculous as to defy explanation that, well, they can't really have wanted Jones. 
Because if they did, they would have moved up to get him. Like That's, this, it's, it's the most. It's the most frustrating because, like, I, I, I tweeted about that the other day. Like, okay, well, the Packers waited until pick twenty something for Aaron Rodgers. The Chiefs waited to pick ten to trade out for Patrick Mahomes. What if Mahomes had gone one through nine? Now the Chiefs miss out on Patrick Mahomes. They must have not liked him. You know, like anyone that didn't get drafted number one overall, you can say that about. It's just it's so dumb when you sit there and look at, especially when Fields, who everyone thought was going to go in the top five, drops all the way to eleven. Yeah, of course, Mac Jones is dropping all the way to fifteen. Like I think that that was the writing kind of was on the wall for them, and they just sat back and said, "Hey, if he drops to us, great. Like what's you know, and if he doesn't, then." We'll roll with someone else, but they were confident in him. But that doesn't mean they're going to trade up for a quarterback. I, I, you know, it's it's just you know, so incredibly stupid. The Chicago Bills, uh, Bulls, didn't really want Michael Jordan because <laughs> if they did, they would have traded up to get him. You know what I mean? Right? Oh, it, it, the, a great apples to apples example is uh, 2004, where they had a gaping hole in the middle of their defensive line, and they were at 21. And Vince Wilfork was a top 10 projection all the way. And somebody passed on him. I forget who it was, but it just assumed he was going to go there. And then you look at like the next, like eight or nine teams in the league and in, in, in sitting between the Patriots and the pick weren't looking defense. And so they sat at 21 and got a 10 year starter, two time champion perennial pro bowler. Does anyone say, well, they didn't really want Vince Wilfork. You know, they dropped back to get Gerard Mayo, right? They, they went yep. from eight to 10. Because they read the board. And when they're right about it, now that's a strike against them. Like, oh, they, uh, what's his name? Uh, Upton Bell said this two days ago on Twitter. Uh, Upton Bell was a former Patriots GM and uh, toupee aficionado <laughs> who uh, one time when he was running the Patriots forgot to send out contracts. So his entire roster became free agents at the same time. And he has spent the last 20 years trying to shouting into the void to tell people that Bill Belichick doesn't know what he's, he's doing. Right. And he said that uh, they can't really have wanted Jones. They just got lucky. So ridiculous. So dumb. So, well, anyways, Jerry, we yeah. love having you on. We're very, we were very excited to have you for our, uh, for our season preview. And I know I'm looking forward to uh, to do your part. I haven't listened to the first episode, but I am subscribed. I just haven't I just haven't made it there yet. Uh, I am subscribed, did download it, saw Tommy. I was like, oh, OK. All right. I'm excited to hear this. So uh, finally, you finally got a podcast. Listen, I just want to let you brought up the Sopranos already. Listen, you just like just we'll keep you safe in the podcast streets. You just slide us a few bills. Right. And we'll we'll keep you safe. Right. We'll we'll take care of it. You know, we'll come collect every month or so. And, you know, it's fine. We'll just, you know, don't worry about it. I walked right into a protection racket. Is that <laughs> just what you invited me to, Ryan? Hey, yeah. Nice little podcast you got here. It'd be a shame if anything was going to happen to it. All right. Well, I'll meet you guys in the butter bang any time for the. Well, thank you. For the well, obvious reason. Be, listen now. Listen. Everyone knows you, but before you go, you still have to plug yourself and where they can read you and find you and hear you and everything else. Because you know, I mean, just 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 for uh, you know, just because the man's Much, got some books to show, you know, yeah, right? Absolutely. My my baby's got to eat. Uh, yeah. So I'm on Barstool Sports virtually every day, four, five, six times a day, whatever. I'm every. Uh, Morning after the game, so I write a, con a column called Knee Jerk Reactions, which is kind of the, the rock upon which my church has been built. Uh, from Darkness to Dynasty is the, the, the crazy old history of the Patriots. Six Rings speaks for itself. If, if I couldn't make those stories fun and entertaining, I wouldn't have even bothered. So I, I hope I succeeded. And uh, I'm on Cameo now. Be doing that Ooh. stuff for you kids. And um, yeah, and I'm on... Uh, Every, all across social media at Jerry Thornton one and uh, always happy to join you guys, man. You, you do, you do a nice job. And Ryan it was terrific hanging out with you at, uh, at camp this year, dying in the sweltering heat or whatever, but we got to pay that price. You know what I mean? No Thank days you. off the public for sure. Us. Thank you, Jerry. It's always a, always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on and taking the time. Thank Go you. enjoy some football now. All right, lads, no days <laughs> off. That's no right. days off. Talk to you. Take care, Jerry. All right, that was awesome. That was awesome. What a way! What a way to start the uh, to start the Patriots season with a uh, season preview with with the man, the Don, right, uh, Jerry Thornton. So, but now 
pat the <laughs> So now we're going to get into our new segment, our five-minute fantasy segment last week. Of course, we had Mike Daddy's Home FF. We have Ashley Marie coming on today from the Undroppable. So we're going to bring her up here. And this time, I'm actually going to turn my volume up so we can hear the friggin' buzzer when it goes off. Uh, but we're going to give Ashley five minutes. So here's Ashley. Ashley, thanks for coming through. We appreciate it. Hi, of course. I'm excited. I'm happy yeah. I could come. We had we had chatted about me getting on, um, and then I just got lucky that it happened to be this week. Yep. No, it worked out. We appreciate yeah. it, and uh, thank you for uh, for being flexible. And it's good. We met in a in a an Avengers uh, yes. group chat, which you know, I mean, it's pretty cool. Keep I it. know. We're, in. we're all allowed to figure it out. Come on. All right. All right, we'll have to get you in there. We'll have to get you. We'll in leave Spags out because he's miserable no. and hates all. all set. Yeah. Nope. Nope. No Avengers <laughs> talk. Timer's yeah. going. No. <laughs> that's it, right. So Ashley, just to just so just so you know the rules, we kind of talked about it a yes, little bit, but please. I'm going to put five minutes on the clock, and you're going to talk about fantasy sports for five minutes. The timer's going to go off, and you could be mid-word. We're done. Okay. And so then afterwards, obviously, you plug everything and, and everything like that. But we're only going to talk fantasy sports for five minutes. We have one question that came through. And if anyone wa- watching wants to ask a question too, um, throw it up there. But I'm going to give you five minutes. I'll ask you the question. And then after that, you can talk about whatever you want. All right. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Five minutes starting right now. So the first question that we had, I guess the only question that we had uh, came from Dark Blue Gold who's watching right now. We appreciate him. Uh, and it was any inside advice on, of course, the Ravens running back situation, the Jets running back situation, and then the Chargers running back situation. Those three situations seem to be no one has any idea what the hell is going on. Yeah, the, the Jets is something I've been staying away from. I think it's going to be total running back by committee. I think it's going to produce kind of mediocre fantasy uh, numbers from pretty much all of their running backs. I've been tending to stay away from that. Um with the Ravens, yeah, that's a disaster. Um, so those of you who had Dobbins replaced him with Gus Edwards and then now have to replace Gus Edwards, if Tyson Williams is available in your leagues, I'd say pick him up for week one. I think that that's maybe not in all around going to get you through the season, but I think for week one that that is your best option. He's been practicing with them. He knows the playbook. Um, they obviously picked up Dante Freeman. I think that that's another great ad. I don't think that week one is going to be um, the best production for him. So if you're looking for an immediate replacement for Gus Edwards for week one, I would pick up Tyson Williams. Um, I think another option is that they could turn to Latavius Murray because he got cut, what, only three days ago. We know that they went with Dante Freeman. We're not sure if that they were in talks with a lot of the free agent running back. So that could have been in the works before this injury today. Um, so I would say, keep an eye on the situation. Latavius Murray is another thing to keep your eye on. If you're in a league with a deep bench and you're still looking to replace some running backs, I think Latavius Murray ends up on a team by the end of the year. Um, and he's coming off the best year of his life. So I think that that's someone to pick up Dante Freeman. Yeah. If you have enough room on your bench and you want to have him as a backup too, but for week one, Tyson Williams, I would start him this week. I mean, any, any hope with Le'Veon Bell? Cause he's on their practice squad too, but. He just looked I, cooked. Yeah, he did. And and he's nothing but trouble. And I hate to say that, but he's nothing but trouble. And a lot of these organizations really don't want the drama that comes with it. So obviously them picking up Dante Freeman kind of, even while they had Lev Bell on their practice squad, kind of shows that they don't, they might not have as much faith. Um, if they just moved Lev Bell up, then I would say, yeah, I'd pick him up. But because they signed Freeman and they're still ta- have Tyson Williams there, I think Lev Bell is probably not the best option. All right, nice. And what about Eckler? It seems like Eckler didn't play again today, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Out, week yeah. one seems to be in question. Um, I wouldn't panic yet. It could be that he is just one of those people that has a – recurring hamstring injuries because hamstring injuries are really really tricky and hard to get out of and you can kind of tweak them it could be maybe they're just like sitting him out to be prepared for week one um i would say i don't know don't panic don't i i don't think i would sell him yet um but it yeah that's tough it's looking like week one might be in jeopardy all right nice and we got another question here about curtis samuel is curtis samuel worth picking up for the bench doesn't look like he's gonna play this week either yeah, I, I mean, if your bench is deep enough, I would. Um, I think that that's not a bad ad. 
he has a, 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 he has I think fairly decent upside. Okay, very nice. I've very got a nice. question. I want to okay. ask everybody who comes on, Kyle Pitts. Like, oh. give it a grade. I drafted him, I think, in the fifth round of our of our draft that I'm in, I'm in one of Pat's leagues. Mm-hmm. I'm, I love him, but I'm not a fantasy expert, so. Dynasty yeah. draft, though. So. I think fifth round, though, that's that's a – I think I would take him in the fifth round. I don't have Kyle Pitts really anywhere because every league I was in had him going in, like, the second and third round, and I was not paying that price. Not me. Not I know I know the arguments that he's a wide receiver at tight end and all this, but statistically tight ends don't transfer over to the NFL well. Um, so I think for me, I've stayed away from him. I think his upside is actually insane. Like the, if you're someone who's looking for upside and you can get him at a good price because yeah. like I said, that that's personal. I won't, I will not go for him. If I don't, I know what I'm getting from like, the top two, I will say even two because Kittle sometimes scares me with injuries, but I would say I know what I'm getting from top three. If not, I usually wait. Um, and with tight end being such a like a tricky position that you either have to have a top one or really wait to the sleepers, I don't know that I want to spend the draft capital in the middle right. with something that's actually one more question. We get 10 seconds. Will Russ cook or no? I feel I feel like we've been saying he should for years now, and he <laughs> like that's maybe. It. Time's up. All right. Okay. All right. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Solid, that was a solid five minutes. By the way, those of you that are listening and not watching, when Keegan mentioned the name Kyle Pitts, Ashley can play it off as much as she wants. Ashley swooned, like literally swooned when he, when he said <laughs> when he said the name Kyle Pitts. So because we've been arguing about Kyle Pitts for months <laughs> now. Everybody who has ears and mouths has been arguing about Kyle Pitts for months now. It's you're either it's all in field, or though. all out. That's right. Yeah, That's we'll true. see what happens. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, Ashley, thank you so much. We uh, really appreciate you coming through. Before you leave, though, you got to plug yourself, let everyone know where they can read you and see you and hear you again. I know you got a new podcast out. So, um, so you know, make sure you drop that in here, please. Yeah, of course. You guys can find me on Twitter at Ashley underscore Marie. That's with two A's at the beginning and Ashley. Um, I'm a content creator with the Undroppables. So you can follow. Um, I run the TikTok account. That's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun on there. So the TikTok account is the Undroppables. Um, I put out all my content with them. I actually am just about to start writing. And I just released my first episode of my podcast called the Undroppables Playbook. Um, that's Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We do that live, and it's also streamable wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, um, and that's a lot of fun. So I think everyone should stop by there. It was a good time last night. Fantastic. All right. That's great. Well, Ashley, thank you so much again. We really appreciate it, and uh, and we're excited. We're going to be doing this every week, guys. So uh, we have a new fantasy expert on every week, and uh, Ashley was the second one. And no offense to Mike, but the best looking so far, so, which is great. <laughs> You know, and I don't know if it says says more about Mike or you, but, you know, either way. So thank you for coming through. We appreciate it. And uh, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll get Keegan in that group chat. So we'll talk. We'll talk to Marvel soon. Yes. I got Shang-Chi on deck. It's coming up. It was so good. Really good. Yeah. Sorry, Spags. (laughs) It was good, though. (laughs) All right, Ashley. Take care. Thank you again. All right, guys. All right. Great. So we're through that. As well, we got the we got the the season preview. We got the five minute fantasy, and now we're on to we're going to do some predictions here, right? Kind of do some predictions. So, Keegan, why don't you explain it? Since you're the one that set this up, uh, why don't you explain this, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. I mean, there's nothing better than putting something out there before the season starts, and then being able to go back and see whether you were right or wrong. Like it's something we've all done. We did it with 53 man roster proje- projections draft projections, all that stuff. So I figured why not do a season projection, but not the basic who's going to win MVP, all that garbage. It's good. It's going to be Patriot specific. We're going to do some over-unders, some questions. We're going to be in and out. Um, and then we'll have them all go out on Twitter. We can go back, you know, middle towards the end of the season. Uh, some of them we'll see at the end of the week, you know, where we stand on them. And uh, it, it should be fun. It should get some people interacting and all that stuff. So, uh, I've got a few questions. I, I guess we'll just start now. You guys also, ready? also full disclosure, not that I'm making excuses already, right? I'm not the Ravens making excuses already, but Spags and I have both not heard these. We are not prepared for them at all. Keegan not only knows them, but created them. So he does have a little bit of a leg up. So I'm just saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that we won't win. I'm just saying if Keegan doesn't win, 
not a great look for Keegan. That's all. Hey, I'm saying. We don't we don't have to make it a competition, but I'll <laughs> I'd love to. We can we can do another drink bet that we did. I'm for, down. Uh, I'm down with that. So we're gonna start with the over unders. It is rigged, absolutely. Uh, we're gonna start with over unders. This one's gonna be Damian Harris. Over under 1,100 rushing yards. That's Damian Harris. He had 691 in 2020. I'll start with Spags. I'm going to say over. He's on my fantasy team. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously biased. But what realistically uh, realistically speaking, I think once the move from Cam came over over to Mac, I think his stock went way up. Uh, like I said earlier in the episode, I believe that uh, he's kind of one of their more, I'd say, top five most important players on the team this year just because I think at least early on, a lot of the offense is going to be run through him. And, and, and um, you know, I think the success and efficiency of them um, will ultimately run through Harris. So I'll say over. I like it. Keegan, to give you an answer, if you had said 1,200, I still would have said over. So okay. there you go. All right. I've got the under on that one. I think he's going to have like 1090, something, something real close, but not quite 1,100. The Patriots haven't had an 1,100-yard rusher since LeGarrette Blunt. I think it was 2015. So it's, it's been a while. Uh, All right. The second okay. one, it's Josh Uche over under four and a half sacks. He had one last year. The leader last year for the Patriots was uh, Chase Winovich with five. Yeah, I'm going to say under just because, like I said, I think if you want a total sacks, New England's not the place for you. Uh, and I think they'll have scattered out, um, you know, four here, five there, six there. Right. They're going to get it. They're going to get after the quarterback and create a lot of pressure. But I think, like I said, it'll be kind of, you know, spread out in terms of the sack numbers. Uh, simply because of the way they run things and they'll scheme things up. But he'll be in there. He's going to be very important for them. I'm not saying, you know, I think he'll have a monster year, but it'll come up, you know, maybe outside the stat sheet or box score. I like yeah. it. Life's too short to bet the under. I'm going over. You know why? And and the reason why for me is simple. When you have Judon on one side and Uche on the other side, there's only so much you can do. You can't throw an extra back on both sides, right? And so while I don't expect him to have 10, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if he had five. Um, and that, of course, is where they're going to be. And listen, Phil Perry talked about it already. Like, Phil predicted they'd lead the NFL in sacks. I don't know if they will, but they could. And if they do, Uche is going to be a big part of that. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be over four and a half. Yeah, I've got the under on that one. Just I think they're going to pick their spots with him, especially last year. He wasn't really able to stay on the field. And when you've got a guy rushing the passer a ton, he's probably not going to stay on the field. Um so I think they're going to pick their spots. He's just too valuable and too athletic to have him only rush the passer. I think he's going to do a ton of off-the-ball off stuff this year, dropping into coverage, stuff like that. So the, uh, the last over-under, it's got to do with Spags' boy, Mac Jones. Over-under, 3,500 passing yards. Uh, Cam had 2,600 last year, and Brady had 4,000 in 2019. That's tough. <sighs> As as much as I want to say under, I mean over. I, I think it's he'll come in over three thousand. I don't know if he'll get to that thirty five hundred in, just because I think it'll take them a while to really let it rip with him. And I also don't think um, you mentioned Brady and Cam, right? The two different offenses. The Patriots aren't going to spread you out and just go Bing 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 right five wide the whole game like they would Max and the gun. Um, like I said, I think it'll be more of a conservative approach up front and, and to start things and then start to you know. Um, put a lot more on his plate as the season goes on in terms of the pass game. So I, I would say, you know, his stat line may be over 30, uh, 3,000 yards, maybe around 22 to 25 touchdowns and, and a, you know, a couple picks, right? So uh, I'm going to go under on that. But like you said, very fringe, close there. Well, you know what? You know what would be close? You know what would push it over if it were close? An extra regular season game which is what they're going to get this year. And so I'm going to put it, I'm going to put him at the over because I'm with Spags. It's going to be really close. He's not going to throw for 5,000 yards or something stupid like that. It's going to be really, really close to 3,500. And I think that extra game might be enough to get him. I mean, Cam threw for 2,200 yards last year. Cam Newton threw for 2,200 yards where they had like six games where they didn't even have a hundred yards passing. So like, the fact that he threw for 2,200 yards last year in a 15-game season for him, uh, you know, should be enough to me, at least, where it's like if Mac is just fine, he's going to throw for 3,500. And so, and like like uh, Cody says, it he did the math. He's right. It's, it's just over 200 yards a game. Like, he should be able to do that. Now, do I think he'll be over 200 yards every game? I don't. I think he'll have some games where he's at 100, 150, 125, something like that. But I think overall through the course of the season 
that he'll get there. Again, it's going to be close, but I think he'll be just over that 3,500 mark. Credit to me for these great over-unders, you know, really <laughs> making you guys think. Um, I had trouble with this one too, but I, I took take the under. Rookie quarterback, you're, he's going to throw up some stinkers. Rookie quarterbacks do, and it's not a slight on him or any player. It's just what happens, right? You're playing professional football teams. They're, they're going to mix things up. They're going to confuse you a little bit, so... Uh, 200 yards a game is doable, but he's going to come in with some 130, 180 in that range yard games. I don't know if he's going to really light it up at all during the season in any specific game. So I have the under, but just barely. Um, and we're going to we're going to move on to the next category. I want I want it be- on record. I want it on record right now. Keegan hates fun. He's under on all Correct. three of these. What the hell, dude? Correct. Keegan I think this is going to be a very balanced football team. Like everybody's <laughs> going to have all the same stats. You know, just. It's going to be real boring. Uh, we're going to move on. It's just straight questions. Answer with a person or yes or no, whatever it may be. Um, first one is who leads the team in touchdown receptions? Last year it was Rex Burkhead with three. So uh, hopefully we'll assume that it's going to be more than three, but who does it? I'll start with Pat this time. Uh, Nikhil Harry. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I almost wrote You're it like, down. what? <laughs> no, I'm going to go with uh... – I'm going to go with Hunter Henry. Say John Uso, so I really want to say, say John Uso so bad. But I'm gonna say I got John Uso. There's mine. There you go. So All we right. got the two so tight we got, ends. We got the two tight ends. I've got Nelly Aguilar. He, he caught 11 from Derek Carr last year. If he can't put up half those numbers, then there's a problem. So I think he can put up six, seven touchdowns. Good enough for this group to lead the team. Next one. Who will catch Mac Jones's first touchdown pass? Last year, Jakob Johnson caught Cam Newton's first <laughs> touchdown pass. So uh, I'll start with myself this time. I've got James White. It, it just feels like every year he catches the first touchdown. So uh, James White, and we'll, we'll go to Spags. Uh, Jacoby Myers, and it'll be his first touchdown as well. Ooh, right. I like that. Uh, I guess I guess I'll be different because I was going to say James White, but I'll be different here. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, let's say, let's say, let's say Johnu. I'm going to say Johnu. All right. And the last question is who will lead the Patriots defense in interceptions? Last year it was JC Jackson with nine. Who do you want going for it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll JC again. I think that's their as much as a lot of what Gilmore on the field helped him kind of total up those numbers, he's a ball hawk. He's going to do that. Um, Devin McCourty might finish close, but I get JC. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's tough. I agree that that McCourty seems to be around the ball too. Uh, he had what like four games in a row with an interception in twenty in twenty nineteen. First five right? games, he had five interceptions. That's right. Okay, so. Um, but I, I think JC is just, he's just around the ball so much. Um, and dark blue gold says Duggar. It's not a bad one either. Uh, it's not a bad one either, but I think he, I don't know if he'll be in coverage enough to be honest with you. So I think, uh, I think JC is, is a safe bet on that one, especially when Gilmore comes back and he's the number two, um, assuming that happens week seven, that's, that's going to help quite a bit. Yeah. I, so I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I've got DMAC just, I don't with with Gilmore out for six games. I don't think JC is going to get as many targets as he had. You've got a guy over on the other side like Joe Juan Williams or Jalen Mills. They're going to get targeted a lot, right. and Devin McCourty is going to be lurking. So I think I think he steals a few early on, and he'll he's able to pull away towards the end of the season. I think he could have five six interceptions easily. You know, especially with the year yeah. we saw him have two years ago. The last one, we're going boring record prediction for the Patriots this year. Season starts Sunday. Specs. 11 and six. I get the same. Can I, can I, can I go the same? Okay. 11 and six. It is then 11 and six. We've all got 11 and six. I wrote it down (laughs) a week ago. Um, A little explanation for me. If they could win seven games last year with that God awful roster, they should be able to to pull four more out of their ass with it, with a third place schedule too. Yeah. Third place schedule. Exactly. I mean, They've got really- Dallas. That's a that's an easy W. I think oh, Dallas yeah. is going to be terrible for that extra game that they threw in. The tough thing is going to be is going to be that middle that middle of the season stretch is going to be tough. So because even though their schedule is fairly easy into third place schedule, that middle of the season that like seven eight game stretch right in a row in the middle is going to be 
hell. And if they can get through that, you know, four and three or five and two, like now you're looking at that 11 and six might stretch to like 12 and five, like Jerry said. So um, that could be, that could, that could kind of tell the tale of, of the 2021 season. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there, you know, either way, listen, if they win on Sunday, it's going to be 17 and 0. And if they lose on Sunday, it's probably going to be like two and 15, you know, like, it's just not like, there's no in between, right. We're going to react as we need to react as if, Sunday means everything and nothing else matters. I'm kind of really hoping for like eight and nine so we can just go ahead and get it over with and draft Chris Olave. So <laughs> we'll see. But we've all got 11 and six. I, I kind of expected that. I thought maybe one of you guys would go 12 and five or 12 and six. but Or was it 12 and five? 12 and five, yeah. yeah. 12 and five. yeah. So 11 and six, we've all got it. It's great. All right. What do you think about this weekend? What's your, what's your prediction this weekend? I know it's not on the board, but what's your prediction this weekend's bags? Uh, Patriots win in a close one. I, I got like 21, 17. It'll be a, a little bit of a, you know, defensive clash. 27, 17. I got the Patriots scoring a defensive touchdown. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the same spot. I'll say 30. I'll say 30, 21 though. All right. That awesome. Do it. So yeah. Thanks guys for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back. Uh, I assume how many two picks dark foot cold says a few, perhaps we'll see. That's going to be the question is how, how does Tua play? So we will see. Um, we'll be back at some point. I don't know if we're going to do a show Sunday night or not. We haven't really talked about it. But either way, we'll be back next week, uh, probably on Wednesday, with our regular show. And uh, football season is here, ladies and gentlemen. It is officially here in 15 minutes from right now. Football season kicks off. And so by the time you listen to this, football will already have been played in the regular season, in the 2021 season. We're very excited. We'll talk to you guys soon.